Amen. You may be seated. What a great slide up there. Last week we talked about the new heaven and the new earth. I'll tell you, the old heaven's pretty impressive. Can't wait to see the new one. And the thing is, when we're enjoying that new heaven and that new earth, I believe on the new earth, somehow we will have eyes to see the wonders and the glories of the new heaven as well. How good is that going to be? Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, you that we have called out to, you whom we confess we need, we now come to you and ask that the very words you've given in answer to prayers from long ages past, Father, we need you, we need you, we need you, and so came the word of God in written form. And so much of what you provide is right in this book. So many answers to prayer are found in the, in the references of this book. So Father, bless us now as we open a particular portion of it. Guide us, teach us, heal us, strengthen us, direct us, encourage us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you, are your hopes up? That's like, what's up? (laughs) Hope's up? We're going to let that stay on there for just a little while as I sort of walk us by way of introduction into what we're about to do now. You see, our hopes had better be up. How many of you have hopes that are ascending? Higher than they used to be. See, now I'm giving you lots of leeway there. Higher than they used to be. Not, not the most hopeful person in the whole world, but, you know, for crying out loud, we have spent a number of weeks now, several months, discovering in God's Word, particularly in the book of Revelation, 22 hope-generating revelations. That means insight, something we've seen, something that John had seen and then passed along to us, and, and by faith and through this written word, we ourselves see things designed to generate hope. Not to discourage us, not to get us bummed out, not to say nobody could figure that out, so why even read it? No, right in there are sources of hope wrapped in the truths of God. And we spent uh, about five months, a little more than five months, 22 messages. It's necessary For the truth is, life has a way of squelching and dashing our hopes. Amen? Anybody here ever had their hope dashed by life? (laughs) Squelched even. There are people today who just have followed the practice that, I mean, I heard when I was growing up, but it seems like a whole generation a day, this is a theme song. Now, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. Well, we're going to address that a bit this morning, whether that's good counsel or not. But the thing is, life has a way of squelching hopes if you dare hope at all. So some people say, don't do that. Why why set yourself up for a fall? You see, Satan himself would seek to find all mankind, especially Christians, 
in a place of complete hopelessness. He can just play with a human being who's become hopeless. He can just torment a human being who has become hopeless. God has trouble penetrating through that wall of despair once Satan has just built it as solid as he can. You see, the difficulties of life can bring us to that point. Disappointment with ourselves can do the same. Defeats at the hands of our sworn enemy, the enemy of our souls, can make us feel like throwing in the towel. Hope can easily be squelched. Help can actually be ridiculed. Hopefulness can even come across today as an immature or an uninformed view that's really not appropriate to the seriousness of the situation. And yet, and yet God has designed us with a great capacity for hope. And he's designed hope as a powerful antidote to any feelings of despair or desperation that life in this fallen world might bring. Now, God has also liberally sprinkled reasons for hope and sources of hope throughout his word. If we look for them, nobody can read the word of God really and wind up hopeless. We just got to read it and know it and see it. And we've been zeroed in on a very special part of it. 22 hope generating revelations we have identified in the book of Revelation. Truths that generate hope in the hearts of all who will embrace them. Now this morning in in response to somebody's request, or this week, I took all 22 of them and put them on a list. Not a whole lot of information about them because the 22 filled up one of our half sheets. And we printed them off and they're back there on the foyer today. A little bit like our our God, you know, 30 attributes of our Abba Father. I hope you're still working through those one a day all through the month. But you can pick them up today, take them with you. They're just the titles of the hope and the reference where it came from. There wasn't room for much more than that but they're on the counter there today. You can pick up a sheet and say, here's our 22 sources of hope. And if you wake up feeling kind of bummed out, read that until you find one. (laughs) One of these has got to help me today. One of these has got to help. Let me look at life the way that this revelation depicts life and depicts our Heavenly Father and, and be sure of that. You see, lasting hope is generated by God's truth. God's truth is eternal. God's truth is true every day. So the hope it generates lasts. We never have to wake up and say, boy, I, sure that was, I, I wish that were true about God today. Sure helped me yesterday, but I, I wish God were still that way today. Well, he is, isn't he? And the things he reveals in his word are the same day after day after day, week after week, month after month. And when you really tie into some of God's truth, the hope that it generates lasts. It even permeates 
your whole being. So now, as we move forward as a congregation into this next series of messages, the, the key question, once we've answered pretty much our hopes are up, I, I'm going to take it as a yes. You know, let's try it again, though. Are your hopes up today? Okay. Did I just talk you into a little bit more of a hopeful outlook? Maybe. So here's the question now we're going to pursue for the next several weeks. How is our hope? See, we're, we're saying we have some. If you don't have any, <laughs> I'm going to be wasting your time the next couple of weeks. But hopefully you have a heart that is beginning to be stirred and filled and motivated and excited by hope. The hope that God himself gives to us through the truth of his word. But now the question is, if we have some, if we have some, even if we have a whole bunch, 22 aspects of hope, how should that hope be deployed? How should it be used, put to work even, in our lives, in this world? And there is a way, and it should be. And so as we move along through this message, our basic screenshot for the series is going to change from this one that we've looked at for quite a while that says discovering hope in the revelations of Scripture. Well, we've looked at that for 22 weeks and hopefully we've discovered some sources of hope, some reason for hope, and hopefully we've actually gained hope, not just discovered a source. Say, someday I'm going to look into that a little bit more, but you've actually embraced it, and you have a more hopeful heart. So now we're going to move on from discovering hope in the revelations of Scripture to this one, deploying hope in the realities of life. How many of you out here are living real life? Come on now, come on. Can I get a hand up there? You're living real life, not a fake life. Now some of us might want to hide down all day and kind of make up our own little uh, way to go, but basically we're, <laughs> we're knee-deep in life. Life has a way of just knocking on our front door even if we're trying to stay inside. The realities of life. Life is unpredictable. Circumstances can change rapidly. Life hits us right in the face with all kinds of things, challenges, frustrations, even goals that we're trying desperately to achieve can become pretty awesome, pretty overwhelming. So how does hope help? How do you deploy this hope that you got in your heart now? How do you get it out there where life is happening? And how should hope make a difference in the life of a Christian? Because non-Christians don't have hope like we have. Non-Christians don't have hope in things that they know are absolutely true and so, and they have no hope for future events. It's all just a big blind spot to so many. And so they might say, well, I'm hoping to get through this day. Well, hoping that is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a true, sure, absolute thing. 
Now, if we have that kind of hope, it should really, as it goes to work in our life, it ought to make an effect. And so here's the series key conviction we're going to be working on. Revelation-generated hope is a powerful force. It's not just a theological thing. It's not just the subject of Pastor Mark's messages for quite a while and even my own granddaughter who uh, goes to, well, just graduated from college and has been attending a a really fine, enthusiastic church down the hill where the preachers, if he has a series of messages, it's like, like three. We exhausted that topic. People get bored if you go more than three times in one area, or maybe four, and she has sat in here since we've been COVID uh, organized, and, and she said to me the other day, you know, 22? 22? I mean, that's like, that's like almost back to before I was born you started that. <laughs> See, so here we are. Revelation-generated hope is a powerful force when you, when you really let it pile up. When you let it pile up in your life. And the great truths of God, you can't just touch on and then touch on something else and hope everybody got that. So here's what we say that we believe is the end result of our study. Revelation-generated hope is a powerful force in the hands and heart of a born-again child of God. Revelation-generated hope by its very presence defeats the forces of darkness and advances the kingdom of light. How many of you have ever pictured yourself going nose-to-nose with the devil? You got all your spiritual armor on, and uh, as soon as he shows up on the scene, it's like, let's get it on. You know, the Bible never tells a Christian to think that way or look that way. The Bible tells us there are things you can do that make him run. And that's not defeating him with better sword work than, than he has. Here's one of those things we're saying. Revelation-generated hope, hope that is based upon the truths of God by its very presence in your life defeats the forces of darkness. The very side that says there is no hope, there is no hope in God, there is no hope in this situation, there is no hope. As soon as you have hope, who's ever been saying that other thing has to just shut up. So the presence of hope is a pretty powerful thing. It defeats the forces of darkness just by being in your heart. And it advances the kingdom of life, or light. That's Jesus' kingdom. To have our hope in the truths of God's word puts us on a path that everything Jesus wants his spirit to accomplish in us can more easily be done. So it's a pretty big deal. Revelation-generated hope is a powerful force in the hands and heart of a born-again child of God. Revelation-generated hope by its very presence defeats the forces of darkness and advances the kingdom of light. So I could shorten it up to a, a phrase like this. Hope deployed 
results in spiritual victory enjoyed. Can you remember that? Those two kind of go along. Hope deployed results in spiritual victory enjoyed. I wrote down here just because I wanted to have this happen and to see this. So I question, wrote a question. Do you want to see the backside of the devil as he flees from you? Isn't that a wonderful look? To see the backside of the devil as he's fleeing from you. If you keep your heart and hands filled with revelation-generated hope, you'll see that all the time. Until after a while, he wouldn't even come around. He will wait until some circumstance of life has kind of derailed you a bit. And, and your hope has kind of dimmed, weakened. And then he might show up again. But you see, hope is a powerful, powerful protector. And the devil is no match for it. And he knows that. So, now we move on. That's the conviction we have as we begin the next few weeks of study. Biblically-based hope is some pretty powerful stuff. Now, here's some key scriptures that are going to be right at the heart of our discussion for the next few weeks. We'll be referring back to them, but here they are put together. First, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 24. You have it there in front of you. Paul, or the writer says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. That means anything we're putting our hopes in that God has said will be true tomorrow as well as today. The one who said those things is faithful. He who made the promises is faithful. Our Heavenly Father is faithful. Therefore, we can hold on. If what he said ever stimulated hope in me, it'll stimulate hope in me until I die. Because he's not changing and therefore, the dynamic that is the reality that brought hope in my heart at one point should bring hope in my heart forever. And so the writer says, let's hold. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And then let us consider something. Now here we're getting into some deployment, some activity. And let us consider, we who are hopeful people, we who are holding unswervingly to the hope we profess, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Have you ever tried to spur somebody on? Has somebody ever tried to spur you on? Spur. That's what they use on horses, right? That, that's not always a, a pleasant feeling, you know, to get spurred on. He didn't even say, let us encourage one another. Let us spur one another on. So sometimes the people around us and sometimes we need to be stimulated a little bit to get going in the right direction. Maybe in the direction of deploying biblical hope in, in some positive, helpful way. 
So the writer says, let's consider how we may do that. If you're ever going to spur anybody on, you better consider it. Consider it carefully. Now, how do I go about doing this? Do I say, man, are you a jerk? See, that's to get attention. That's not a good way to do it. Because the person just hears, man, am I a jerk? Who are you to call me a jerk? Well, now, if you're trying to spur them on to a change of behavior, get away from their jerkiness, that's not the way to... See, you've got to consider that. Consider how should a person filled with the hope of God go about seeking to encourage this person to actually uh, grow in their faith or be encouraged in some way or to see an opportunity that right now they might be blind to. They may just see they have a horrible job. And you're helping them to see God's put them there for a reason. There may be somebody come to faith in Christ as a result of you being there and taking it on the chin, maybe. See, consider. So as we do that, it's like, well, how do we work with? How do we talk with? How do we spur somebody on? It's not just using pain and nasty language. That never works at all. So consider. And we're spurring them on toward love, not retaliation, love and good deeds. That's a fantastic set of two verses that has hope right at the heart of it. It's like if you hold on to the hope you got, this other stuff's going to be flowing from your life. It's going to be... working in your brain, and you're going to be thinking about how can I do this? Holy Spirit, guide me, show me. Now, here's the next verse, 1 Peter 3.15. He says, And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. That's a long way to get to that last little part. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. The point is they notice you're a hopeful person. And they notice that 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 has some positive effect in your life and probably on their life as your friend or co-worker or next-door neighbor as well. But your deeds don't answer the question. Your good deeds, oh man, you are the best neighbor. You know, you always have a smile. You always are ready to help me. It's like you you never seem to be down. You just seem to be full of hope. And if you say, well, thank you. They say, how come come you're so different from me? Well, you know, I was raised in a pretty good family. My mom was always a cheerful person. So I'm kind of a cheerful person. I try not to let anything get me down. Peter says, be ready for better than that. That doesn't help. That's not really the reason you're hopeful, is it? Good DNA. (laughs) How does that serve God, right? Now there's some spiritual DNA. I'm being made like Jesus himself. My DNA is changing That's a little complicated right off the bat to say to somebody. But we can always say, why am I this way? Oh, because I believe in a loving Heavenly Father 
that I know personally. Do you know him? Do you know? How can you not be filled with hope when you realize there is a loving God who has actually put his arms around you and is forming a life in you, by you, for you, that is just better than you could ever come up with yourself? How can you not be hopeful about the future when you have a, a loving, almighty God who's just committed to, to working in you? And you say, and they might say, are you nuts? I've never heard anybody talk like that. Or they might say, really? That's how you think your life is uh, being put together? Well, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that's why there's, it's not hope I'm stirring up of, man, I'm the smartest one in the room, so my hope is I'm going to succeed. My hope is based upon things that I find in the Word of God, actually, in the Bible. My hope is based upon the fact that my Bible tells me that God created everyone and that God desires everyone, if possible, to live for all eternity with him. My hope's in that. My hope is that someday I will live in a perfect place and I'll be perfect. Keep piling it on until they say, well, uh, I don't have any hope of that. I'm really messed up. You say, well, here's how, here's how God takes care. I, I'm messed up. We human beings are all messed up. So share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But see, Paul says, or Peter says, be ready for that. Consider, be prepared to give an answer. And then I love this one, Romans 5, 5, just short little thing. And hope does not disappoint us. Hope does, if you hope in God, you'll never be disappointed, not in the long run, not if you're really hoping in him and hoping in the truth of his word, hope will never disappoint you. I think the old King James there says, hope maketh not ashamed. Why would you ever be ashamed of God? Why would you ever be ashamed of hoping in God, putting your hopes in him? And so NIV says, and hope does not disappoint us. So the hope that you're generating through your interaction with God's word is not going to disappoint you ever. And as you put it to work, it'll bring about things that, that not only bless God, but bless you. So I'd say these key scriptures, keep them close. Keep this little uh, note sheet close where they're all put together and review them. Allow them to define for you the manner in which your hope is to be deployed. Now, just one further thing as we go along in this introduction. The series key concept. Put these verses together and the others we're going to talk about and come to a concept. And here it is. The revelation-generated hope we profess. That's the hope that we've discovered as a result of discovering truths of God's word, the revelation-generated hope we profess is designed to do what? See, when it goes to work, here's what it'll do. It'll stabilize. It'll energize. And it will even categorize us. Hope deployed among other things, we'll, we'll do those three generalized things. It will stabilize us. It will energize us. 
And it will even, in this mixed up world, it will categorize us. So think about those three words. Stabilize, make steady, keep on track, establish something, firm it up. It's good to be stabilized. It's good to be stable. It's good to be locked down and firm. And people say, boy, I saw you five years ago when we were, you're the, you're the same person now you were then. You're, you're the same, you know, I can count on you. It's nice to run into somebody who's stable. Second thing, energize, to motivate, to rejuvenate, to empower. It's nice to have that kind of flowing through us. Energy, motivation, power. And then categorize means to identify, to classify, to characterize. It's like, I, you know, that's a little tricky. A lot of us have been characterized already as kind of weirdos. <laughs> you one of those Christian people? You, you, you one of those who believe the Bible? You, you realize more and more people under 30, at least, they don't believe anything. They don't even, they're not even familiar with the Bible. They don't even argue with the Bible because they don't even know anything about the Bible. They haven't had anybody try to shove the Bible down their throat because their parents aren't believers either. And so they're just wandering through life in a, in a dark place. And when you come along, you might really seem strange. Let's hope what they first see is your hopeful heart and your ready smile and your willingness to minister to them, your willingness to help them along the way when they, they really have, you don't owe them anything, but they, they begin to appreciate you. And they think you're a good weird but they begin to put you in a category. Eventually, see, Peter says, give them a reason for the hope that you have. Give them a brand new category of human being. I've never met anybody like you. Oh, my goodness, there's tons like me. You know, my, my church is full of people like me. Our family is kind of full of people like me. You know, we just happen to be people who've discovered the love of God through Jesus Christ. And boy, if you've never heard anything about that, I'd love to sit down sometime and tell you. That's always a good approach to have. Don't say, want me to tell you? No, they may be on the way of the laundry. You know, it's because of the love of God that I've discovered through Jesus Christ. I would love to just tell you about that sometime. You, you let me know if you ever want to know. And just let let that go. They've already categorized you. And now you're offering an opportunity if they're interested. Okay. So we believe that a believer filled with revelation-generated hope will truly be stabilized in this ever-shifting world, will be energized in this seemingly meaningless, purposeless world, and will be categorized by this always-watching world. So now here we go. Consider with me just these secondary statements that enhance our key concept. And I tried to have a little fun with some of these, so here we go. 
Let these images burn into your mind today. Our hope makes us solid, and I'm using some old-fashioned statements that I've been familiar with for a long time, and some of you might say, what? What? But here we go. Our hope makes us solid as the rock of Gibraltar. Have you ever heard that phrase, solid as the rock of Gibraltar? Well, I think we got a picture of it here. There it is, pretty big rock. El Capitan, I don't think, really overwhelms it too much. Gibraltar is right at the Straits of Gibraltar, which is the entry place into the Mediterranean Sea. Whoever controlled the Strait of Gibraltar could control any ships that came into the Mediterranean where all the civilized world was, where You know, Rome, this goes back to the first century. This is a key, key spot. Well, Gibraltar belongs to the British Empire, even though it's on the tip of Spain there. And Britain has long, for several, probably almost two centuries, has had an army and a naval base on Gibraltar. You don't get in there. I mean, it's a powerful place of protection for British interests when they were the empire of the world. And so the phrase has come out. Solid. How solid? Well, you know the Rock of Gibraltar? Anybody who eyeballed that one would say, man, nothing's moving that. And they even have fortifications on it. Nothing gets by that. Nothing moves that. This is solid as a rock. Well, solid as the rock, the rock of Gibraltar. Communicates something absolutely immovable, impregnable. So let's picture our revelation-generated hope as such a rock in our lives and let us, as the writer says, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let your Mediterranean Sea be your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you say, I'm not letting anything in there to pollute it, to change it, to threaten the the existence of it. I will hold on swervingly. I will blast away anything that comes as a threat. And as we do that, we will discover that no current event No current event, nothing that comes up can derail or diffuse us. Isn't that a a great reality? To say nothing, nothing this world can, uh, the unpredictabilities of it, it can't derail me, knock me off track. I'm holding unswervingly to the hope that I have that has been generated by the very truth of God's word. Nothing can diffuse me, put out my fire. I'm alive in Christ. I'm going to remain alive. Now, in a little bit more lighthearted way, consider this second image. Our hope makes us active as the Energizer Bunny. Now, he's kind of passed into the past a little bit. He used to be very, very busy. But he's never quit. He's never quit. 
And so uh, I say, he's still going. Now, the advertisers have found other ways to advertise that particular battery, but you and I know if you put an Energizer battery in a bunny, he's still going. He's still going. And if you put something like that in you, you are still going. You're, you're active. Once you've been activated, and hope is one of these things that can activate us, that's what we're getting to. And the Holy Spirit puts the hope of God in us through the Word of God, and we are energized for living this Christian life. There's no give up and quit in one who is energized by re revelation-generated hope. And now let me say this, by way of clarification. The focus of one who is so energized is not the evils of society. What are we focused on? What do we put our energy into? It's not trudging on. It's not the evils of society, for society has been and will be beset by evil until the end of time. That's just, this is a fallen world. Men come up with ways of doing evil to one another. Men come up with ways of messing up this, this world and even demonstrating how imperfect it is and demonstrating that God himself has cursed it because sin is working its way through it. What we're doing is deploying our hope in ways that are God-honoring, God-pleasing, and advancing the kingdom, in our, and we're going to be talking about some of those things. But really, our hope is not that society will be better. We've been told that it will be, but it won't. Our hope is that we, by God's grace, can continue to shine like stars in the universe in the midst of an ever-darkening society around us. And in the midst of that, the biblical writer tells us to continually consider. Consider how we may spur or energize one another toward love and good deeds. How do you express love in a world like ours? What are the good deeds that we ought to be involved in in a world like ours? How do you minister to people who are who are helpless, some of them are hopeless, some of them are in great, great distress, but we're to minister love and good deeds, and those come one by one, person by person, situation by situation, and done in a hopeful way that as we express the truths of God's word, some of that word will bear, will, seeds will take root, and we'll bear fruit, and we'll be able to see God has used our lives and us as individuals to add to the kingdom and to speak truth to those around us. So we're going to be trying to identify what might some of those things be? What are some of the strategic things in our world today where we should be active? But we say here, those whose heart is filled with revelation-generated hope will experience no lack of plan or purpose or progress. The Spirit will just guide us through the day 
two people, two situations where the truth of God can have an impact and where the hope we have in our heart can be attractive and, and cause questions to be asked. Let's just hold on to that hope, though, unswervingly. And so, as we do that, to put the Apostle Paul's words to use, we read earlier, hope then will not disappoint us. There will be some success. There will be some progress. There will be a sense of purpose. There will even be a plan that we might uh, sense the Holy Spirit working in us. And sometimes those plans might infect aspects of society that we're part of. But we will be being led as the Holy Spirit leads us. And there will be plan, there will be purpose, and there will be progress. Well, one last thing, a last image. We have the Rock of Gibraltar. We have the Energizer Bunny. Here we go. Our hope makes us visible from a mile away. And that's how people can start to categorize us. You're one of those people. You just... You just, I can see you. I can walk into a room and I, I know you're, you're in here and your presence is being felt and when you're not here, people talk about, you know, sure wish so-and-so was here. She always has some good ideas. There's always a, a sense of joy that, that she or he brings. You can just spot them like the lighthouse. You see, it's the ship in distress that yearns for that light. We don't know where we are. The stars are blotted out. The storm is raging. We don't know where home is. It's the ship in distress that yearns for that light that can be seen more than a mile away. It's the person in distress that hungers for hope. That hungers for hope. You see, the worship team, Dave, read some scriptures this morning with regard to Peter and John going to the temple. A beggar is there yearning for some temporary uh, hope. A few coins. Peter says, "I, I can't give you any of that. I don't have any of that. But here's what I can give you. I can give you your life back. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. See, it's people in distress who are yearning for hope. And, and our hope is much better than just, you know, it'll get a little better tomorrow, maybe. Or if you tried this, or if you tried that, our hope is in the eternal God. Our hope is in the fact that there is a loving creator who has created every one of us and desires for us to come to know him in the fullest possible way. And he's provided his own son, Jesus, to be that way for us. And that hope satisfies the heart more than just solving a a temporary problem. Our hope makes us visible from a mile away. We should not be hard to find. It should not be a secret that we harbor hope in our hearts. And we should be ready to give a reason for our hope whenever we're asked about it. That's one way hope is deployed. 
by creating interest in those who know not God, but have come to sense our own uniqueness in this world, we who do know him. And so here's our final thought. Only those who are hopeless could say are truly helpless. But when you're hopeless, there's no, there's no help until you're, you're willing to receive something that might bring hope to you. And we have that very something. We have the truth of God. There's no one helpless who will receive the truth of God. God's truth will give them new life. God's truth will give them a, a sense of understanding. God's truth will even bring them to a place of acceptance if they need to be of their life circumstance. And their, the truth of God will lift their eyes and their heart right to their Heavenly Father. Only those who are hopeless are helpless. Hope, which is generated by God-given revelation, always generates a God-honoring response. Keep your hopes up, and you won't mess up. Keep your hopes up, and the things that you say to people, the things that you do as you go through the day, will be God-honoring things. That's why we want to have our hope our real, biblically-based hope deployed. Don't want our own anxieties deployed, leading us around. We don't want our own frustrations deployed. What we want deployed in our life is the, the biblically-based hope that comes from the truth of God. And so the last thing says, so get your hopes up, way up, and get ready for action. Because these are the people God wants to see spread out through the world. People who are filled with, with the hope that only he can give. Filled with the hope of heaven. Filled with the hope of daily companionship with the Spirit. Filled with the hope that comes from knowing you've been forgiven and there's nothing that can ever take that away from you. And so, you're noticeable and that hope is powerful. Heavenly Father, we recognize you have made us in the beginning capable of harboring hope in our hearts. And then, Father, sin has altered that. Sin would bring every human being to the place, along with help of the devil, would bring every human being to the place of saying, there is no hope for me. Especially as they zero in on some temporal, earthly thing. Father, we have a glorious gospel to share. That there is hope for eternal life. There is hope for forgiveness. There is hope of new identity in Jesus Christ and in your loving heart. So, Father, help us now. Help us to hold unswervingly. <laughs> we, we have 22 sources of hope that could fill both hands. Help us to hold unswervingly to the hope we've generated or have had generated by your truthful word. And may hope flow from us 
May it deploy us in situations that we can't even imagine until men and women, boys and girls are drawn to the truth of God because we hold it out so firmly, so clearly. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.